0: Around round the Pacquiao fight, that's when I fell out with my mum and dad. And that was a period in my life where I didn't care whether I lived or died because, you know, I thought I've worked so hard to achieve the things I've got and win the things I've got. And I haven't got my best mate, Billy, who's been there from day one. And I haven't got my parents and my family around me. That was the reason why I did it for in the first place. So from that period, that it went really... Went really bad for me. Did you go and have help, professional help? Did you talk? To I, I, I did in the end because I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I tried to kill myself, and several times, Frank. You know, I I, I had the knife at my wrist. You know, whether I'd been to the pub or not. You know, sometimes I, I was training fighters at the time, and I'd come home. And I'd been in the gym, and the gym was like me smoke smoke screen because I'd go in for me two hours, train the lads, and everyone thought Ricky's happy. Then I'd go home on my own, and I'd be on my own, and I'd just start crying. So I'd be sat there with a the knife for hours and then trying to get it out. But then I thought to myself, I thought I'm never going to be able to, I'm never going to be able to do this. So then I thought to myself, you know what? I'll just drink myself to death. And I was going out all day, every day, drinking myself to death. And then what happens, in order for you to be drinking longer and drinking more, you start taking drugs. And the drugs kept me up longer and kept me drinking more. And then it went for, like, just went for a period where I didn't care who I was with. And um, it just one day, you know, when Millie, my second child, came along, I thought, it's not about you no more, it's about your kids. Get your act together. And I tried to get it together a bit but then I thought I just went and saw a psychiatrist fell on my knees and just said you need to help me because I can't do this on my own it doesn't matter who are beating that boxing ring this is going to kill me
1: yeah I, I've got such admiration for boxers and I've got to know a few of the sort of more iconic ones over the years which has been a great honour Lennox Lewis I did Celebrity Apprentice for Lennox Lewis and with Donald Trump as the host <laughs> And Lennox and me both got to the last four. I knocked him out, and in fact, there's a bit of video where where Trump fires Lennox, and I as Lennox gets stuck because Lennox was sure he was going to get through to the final, and I was going to get knocked out. And Trump did him, and as he went off, I just turned and went, "See a champ." <laughs> it still rankles with Lennox today. But so uh, yeah, all I remember about Lennox was apart from being a great bloke, and uh, and actually very proud of his increasingly brilliant record Mm. as a legacy because he it's like something like 42 fights he lost twice but he went back and knocked both guys out very few fighters have a record like Lennox's and his he said his legacy improves every day he doesn't get back in the ring which I thought was really he's a smart guy
2: he Um, he didn't do what all the other guys do was come back when he was old he's
1: always resisted he was offered a hundred million I think to get back in the ring and said no and that's, that's smart. We played chess. He'd been taught chess by his mum. Do you remember his mum yeah, used to yes, sit yeah. by the, yeah. the ring? Wonderful character. And we played chess every day on Suburbity Apprentice. 39 games. He, I was my chess champion at school two years running. He beat me 38 times. <sighs> and what he would do is when he was about to checkmate me, he would stand up and he'd walk around the table <laughs> rubbing his hands. <laughs> Just <laughs> to rub a, it in. Yeah. He was a great guy. And the <laughs> other one I got to know really well uh, was Mike Tyson. I've interviewed many, many times. Um
3: and I didn't have a family that I could talk to because none of my family had any experience or education. It's a about, macho
2: thing as well, isn't yeah, it? That's where all tough yeah.
3: guy, fighting yeah. men and all yeah. that. And nobody wants to show a sign of weakness. And I, yeah. I believe that a lot of my family struggled with mental health, mm. but I was the only one ever, and even today, to come out and speak about it and say, right, head up, man up to it and say, look, yeah. Yeah. I have got problems and here we are. But I never had that so I didn't know who to speak to and my wife didn't understand it because she comes from a sane family yeah. like her family are all pretty level mentally so she didn't understand and my own brothers and dad and mother and all that thought I was just like attention seeker or whatever they didn't realise what was going on they was going why don't you behave yourself you've got everything in the world and you're not happy God's going to strike you down dead because you've been given everything and you're still not happy Mm. so I was sort of stuck between a rock and a hard place with it and I didn't know what to turn to the only only way I saw was, was killing myself and it, all, it did happen, I was thinking about it for a while and I, um, I thought right this is the day that I'm going to do it got in my car said to Paris I won't be coming home put my phone off, chucked it away mm. I actually threw my phone out the window um, and I was, I was driving in a, in a Ferrari that I'd bought, Paris actually um, and I was heading towards the bridge, at very high speed, I won't say, because I'll get a driving ban. But, uh, and I was gonna crash the car into a bridge, and that was gonna be, how I was gonna go out, saw it on a movie once. Um, and as I was driving towards the bridge, I physically and mentally heard a voice speak to me, and say, don't do this, because you're gonna uh, destroy everybody's lives. Um, think about your kids and all that.
2: And the hurt from the football was still there, but it wasn't as apparent. So I sat on the grill one night after a double shift, and the executive chef said, Ramsay, you're um, youngest, you've got to do the night shift. Our night chef's just phoned in sick. So this was 10 to 12. So I'd been up since six in work for seven and just spent 17 hours, and then all of a sudden I'm doing a night shift. Got halfway through the night, and our Kitchen Porters, this amazing uh, group of guys um, from Acton, and there's an Indian family that uh, cleaned the place, and they're amazing cooks. They sat me down in the staff canteen, and we're eating this salmon fish head curry. Just the salmon heads, and it was to do with the sort of cheeks and the gills and the chewing away in this curry, and I think, God, this is amazing. I got a a catering magazine that was sat in the staff canteen, and on the cover was Mark Pierre White that just opened up his restaurant at Harvey's. So I finished that morning, yeah. sort of 6.37, and uh, went straight to Victoria train station and phoned him, you know, uh, told him exactly, you know, what I've gone through, where I am. I'm not very happy. I'm not learning as much as I want to. He said, um, when can you come over? I said, I can come over now. So I left the station from the phone box, wow. jumped over ground on a Victoria uh, overground, got to Wandsworth, uh, got off at the wrong stop, walked to the Harvest, knocked on the back door, and just spent the next two hours talking to this guy that was just a massive force of nature i was 20. he was just turning 26 or 25 i can't remember. not um, oh, remember yeah. he said when can you start i said look i have to give a three months notice he said bollocks to that if you want the job you start on monday um, <laughs> so literally i started on monday and that was it because you
1: know <laughs> he came squaring up i said listen I'm ready to smash you. He said, listen, he said to me, I remember, remember it clear as day. He said, I will flop you. I will flop you. And I went, I went, listen, I'm in front of you. Bring it on. And I thought he was going to do a move, and he didn't, and I ended up throwing the right hand. But I barely touched him. I hit him on, I just caught him in his mouth. And he looked at Frank, and he said to Frank, he's cut my lip. <laughs> I thought his hand was going to go up so I just threw this right hand and it didn't connect properly anyway but Frank's right if you'd have let me at him oh gosh but we get on now we get on uh, 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 there's only only
2: an incident that that comes to mind and like the reason I'm saying that is like with Naz he was fearless
4: you know when you think about it, the size of Chris
2: Talk to me about that famous picture with Gazza, which is obviously an iconic moment now,
3: but can you remember it at the time?
4: Yeah, that was that was the season we won the FA Cup. I mean, um, I was suspended for the game away at Newcastle, but I went in on the Monday morning and all the lads were raving about this young lad. And he was, it, you know, people get carried away. They still think Gaza's like 10 or 20 years younger than me. He's not. He's three or four years younger than me. We were, We were roughly the same age, you know what I mean? I mean, I think I was... 21 and he was 18, something like that. But anyway, they came down in the league before the cup game, and I'd heard all about him and this wonder kid and everything. And I was told the man-to-man marking by Don Howe and I got the ump with it in training. But anyway, I went out, and then we were jostling for position, and one of my my old mates, who was the manager when I was under 10s or under 12s, up at Fedmond in Watford, always told me if they get too close, just reach behind them and grab them by the nuts. So for some (laughs) unforeseen reason. Very technical. (laughs) Yeah. I'll tell you, as a rugby player, he's just been banned for doing the same thing
2: in rugby. Yeah, Joe Marlow, wasn't it? it? Joe Marler, Frank, yeah. That's it. It's all changed. The world's changed, Vinny.
4: Well, it proves that it has. You talk about how the world's changed. When I did it, everybody was like, oh, my God, this is fantastic. And it's the funniest picture. And it's the most iconic football picture of all time, bar one or two, maybe. And now the guy does it in rugby or something like that, you know, and and they're on about fanning them and everything. It's absolutely ridiculous. Pierce said the world's gone nuts. It has, yeah. And I had Gaza so don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs>